Black lady, black lady adulting. I got bills, I got school, I got, I gotta do. Got a husband with no kids. Every night we work on it. Black lady, black lady adulting. Believe that there are no limitations, no barriers to your success. You will be empowered and you will achieve. Ursula Burns. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Black Lady Adulting, a podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jokina Stone. Happy New Year to everyone. I pray that 2021 is full of healing, blessings, love, and happiness for us all. I know that 2020 was a challenging year for folks, and so I'm just hoping and praying for joy, peace, love, and happiness in the future. Oftentimes in the new year, folks make resolutions. They set goals, they set intentions, and pledge to do something differently. And although I'm not a part of the new year, new me club, um, it's not, you know, it's not going to be a new me. It's the same old me from last year. I might focus on different things. I might have different goals, but at the core, I'm the same. So I'm not a part of the new year, new me club. But I do think it's important to be mindful about how you want to show up, how you want to show up in the new year and just in general, like we should always be intentional about how we want to show up and what things do we want to leave in the past. So leave it in 2020 or just leave it behind in general. And so today I want to talk to you about something that I feel like black women, black ladies should leave behind because it doesn't serve us. And that, my friends, is imposter syndrome. So I feel like this is a concept that's been tossed around quite frequently, but I'm not sure if folks actually know what it is. So in today's episode, I share my thoughts on the concept, who experiences it and why, ways to overcome, and all that jazz. So let's get started. Imposter syndrome, what is it? So imposter syndrome is a term that was coined in the late 70s, early 80s. In 1978, I think, psychologists Clance and Imes developed the concept of imposter phenomena. And so I need to do some more research on how the term changed from the imposter phenomena to imposter syndrome. But from my understanding, researchers conducted a study with about 150 women and noticed repeated patterns of the women who experienced anxiety and depression related to perceived performance in the works in the workplace. So beyond the gender identity of the participants, I'm not sure what the other identities of the participants were. So I don't know what their racial identity was, ability, sexual identity, any of that stuff. So that part, I'm not sure. But anywho, in the early 80s, after a couple of articles and books on the topic, the term imposter syndrome began to develop, even though it's not a recognized mental health disorder. It's more of a mindset. And so what is it? My bad. I still have not defined it. Um, imposter syndrome and or per- imposter phenomena describes the phenomena of people feeling incompetent or like frauds, even when they are not. Um, And there's a sense of agita or anxiety accompanied with that. It's often associated with the fear that someone will find out you are not who you say you are. So they might, you might feel like, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to know that I'm not as smart as I thought I, or as they thought I was, or as qualified this for this position as they thought I was, et cetera. So it's essentially that fear and anxiety of someone finding out that you're not who or what you say you are, even though you are qualified. And so I guess an example of this might be, say you get a new job as a director of some, I don't know, law firm. Do they have a directors at law firms? I don't know. But you're a director at a law firm. And when you get the job and you start the position, you might feel like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Why did they hire me? 
Um, And this might sound like a lack of confidence, but I think the nuanced difference is when the feeling of being found out as a fraud is tied to a specific task or skill, um, the anxiety factor that's accompanied with that. And there's also another difference is there's also proof that you are quite capable of doing that job or task at hand, but you dismiss it for whatever reason. You might say it's luck or you just might feel like you can't do it. And so you get this job as you know, the director of a law firm and you're just like, I don't know why they hired me. They're going to find out that I'm not as skilled as I say I am and they're going to fire me. So that can be um, one of the attitudes or feelings that people experience who have imposter syndrome. Now, people can embody different types of imposter attitudes. So it can be about previous performance. So work that you've already done, future performance, a task that is coming up. And sometimes it can be both. So it might be like, I suck today and I'm probably going to suck tomorrow. Or I did well today, but tomorrow I might not be so lucky and they're going to find out that I'm not skilled or qualified and they're going to fire me. And although it may not sound like it, the feeling of I suck is really tied to a specific task, project, or assignment. It's not just like a reflection on who you are as a person. It's tied to your performance or your ability to do something. Um, Another imposter-related attitude is less about a skill or task and more about perceptions of competence. So someone may think, yes, I completed this difficult task, but it's not because I'm competent. It's probably because I got lucky or my, my friends came through at the last minute to help me out, but it's not because of my own competence. So that's another, um, another imposter attitude that someone can have. And I may be oversimplifying the nuanced differences between um, the different imposter attitudes. Um, but this is, like I said, my, my interpretation of imposter syndrome from various readings and from my own lived experience. The gist of what I'm saying is imposter syndrome is when a competent person feels like they will be found out or seen as incompetent or in some way, shape or form, even though they are actually quite skilled to do whatever task is at hand. Um, recently I feel like, you know, imposter syndrome has been more talked about. They've gained more, it's gained more attention, even though it's kind of been around for a while. And when I start to think about imposter syndrome, I'm realizing that oftentimes members of minoritized groups experience imposter syndrome more frequently than others. And so when I brought up like the that gender identity of the study of the 150 folks in the study were women and I don't know what the other identities were. I say that to say like I'm not really sure. I'm not sure what those racial and well I know the gender, but I'm not sure what the racial identities or abilities were of the folks in the study and I wonder if that has some bearing on how people experience imposter syndrome. In my opinion, like I said, folks from my minoritized groups often experience imposter syndrome more frequently. And this is likely because of oppressive systems that send tacit messages and sometimes very direct messages that minoritized people are not worthy of what they earn. So for example, you might be at a predominantly white company or organization. And if there's a black person in that, in a position of power in that space, Um, people who embody anti-black notions may believe and say, oh, they only got this position because they black. 
or they only got this position because of affirmative action. Some of the negative perspectives that we hold about ourselves being imposters stem from the oppressive systems we have endured for years and we internalize those messages. So because folks think that we only got the job because of affirmative action, we might um, internalize that and think like, oh, well, I don't really belong here. I'm not able to do this work. Maybe they shouldn't have hired me. And that, I think, is tied to another concept, um, which was developed by Claude Steele called stereotype threat. Stereotype threat is when a racially minoritized student feels a threat of being seen as a stereotype and they're afraid of inadvertently confirming a stereotype. So this fear or anxiety can impact academic performance. So if you're about to take a test and you're the only black person in the class, you might feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be the stereotype who fails math. So, oh my gosh, I'm anxious and I'm nervous. And then that that impacts how you show up and how you perform on the test. Although Steele developed this term for an academic setting, I think it's relevant in other arenas as well and could be the cousin to imposter syndrome. Both imposter syndrome and stereotype threat stem from oppressive systems that make minoritized people feel like they don't belong or that they're not worthy. And lots of people experience imposter syndrome. You might be listening, feeling like, oh yeah, you know what? I've experienced that. Or, you know, I've mentioned, I've heard somebody talk about their inability to do something. I was curious why they felt that way. I think they had imposter syndrome. So people, lots of people experience imposter syndrome. And sometimes it's people that you wouldn't expect. So we all know the late great author and poet, Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou. And if you don't know her, I might be slightly judging you, but her work is known well worldwide. She's lauded as one of, one of the greatest American poets. She has several honorary degrees, awards, global, now global recognition, etc. Well, guess what? She too felt like an imposter at one point and she wrote, I'm not sure where this came from. Um, I think she was speaking specifically to writers, but she wrote and said, each time I write a book, every time I face that yellow pad, the challenge is so great. I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh oh, they're going to find out now. I run game on everybody and they're going to find me out. So what is she saying? She's essentially saying like, oh my gosh, they're going to find out that I'm a fraud and I'm actually not a good writer. Maya Angelou, y'all, the woman who wrote I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings has suffered from imposter syndrome. So if you're listening and you're like, like I said, you're thinking like, oh man, I think I've experienced this. You are not alone. There are plenty of people who experience it, even people who are what we think to be super talented and shouldn't ever have the notion or idea that they're not worthy or they are going to be found out as a fraud, Um, but they too experience it. And oftentimes people who experience imposter syndrome, they're actually high achievers. And maybe part of experiencing imposter syndrome is this desire to want to do well. And so because you're a high achiever and so because you want to do well, you're working really hard and you might feel like you're going to they're going to find out that you're not skilled or talented. I don't know. I don't know why that correlation exists in terms of people who experience um, imposter syndrome are often high achievers. But from what I read, that is the case. So beyond thinking you are incompetent, there are real effects of imposter syndrome. Some folks who experience it try to overperform so they don't seem incompetent, which can lead to burnout. And so 
I feel like when I first started experiencing imposter syndrome was when I decided to go back to school for my PhD. And in the second year of my program, I was a GA for one of the faculty members in my program. Super smart, dope black woman who's just amazing. And as her GA, whenever we would meet, we would have like weekly meetings. And whenever we would meet, I would like over prepare. I would read a whole bunch of stuff. I would take all these notes. I would do all this work for for just a 30 minute meeting, knowing that there's no way that everything that I'm reading or doing, I'm going to be able to discuss in this 30 minute meeting. But I felt like I need to work really hard so that she knows that I too am smart, that I too like am worthy of being in this space and that I'm capable to be her GA. Now she already gave me the job. So clearly she thought that I was capable, but for whatever reason, I felt like I needed to work really, really hard to impress her essentially. And so that was me overperforming. And if I kept up that practice, I would have burned myself out. Like I remember after like the first few months of being her GA, I'm like, I didn't read all this stuff and we ain't talked about a lick of it. Like that was a waste of my time. And so I had to really think like, I can't keep up this practice because it's not going to help me. Like I work full time, got a part-time job. I'm in school. Like I can't be over extending myself just so that I don't feel like an imposter. When in reality, I know that I'm worthy of being here. And the person who hired me knows that I'm worthy of being here. And so having to be mindful about that because the effect from over performing is is burnout and wearing yourself out um other effects are you know low self-efficacy or low self-efficacy or self-esteem and I feel like that's kind of self-explanatory like if you keep thinking that you're not worthy you're not able you're going to like really believe that and then that impacts your self-esteem and self-efficacy another effect underestimating your ability thinking you can't do a task when in reality you have all the skills that you need to do the work Um, another effect is not trying. So not trying because you think you can't do it. So maybe you don't apply for that job or that fellowship because you think like, oh, they're not going to hire me. I'm not worthy. Um, and another effect is poor performance on certain tasks, which I guess is tied to stereotype threat where you actually perform worse because of your mindset. So you keep thinking, I'm not skilled, I'm not skilled. You psych yourself out, you do the task or whatever, and then you don't do well because you've told yourself that you can't do it. So kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what can be done to overcome it? Now, these are strictly my thoughts and suggestions on what can be done to overcome it. I offer these things um, as things that you can do individually, but I also recognize that The systems that we exist in have to change. Like the systems that oppress minoritized people are what causes us to feel like imposters. So if basically if society weren't so racist, sexist, ableist, etc., then perhaps imposter syndrome would be less prevalent. Um, and I recognize that the society needs to change, but I also recognize that systemic oppression is not going to change or end overnight. So here are some things that we can do individually to kind of address and work on and manage how we experience imposter syndrome. So first, 
Like I just said, we have to recognize that in the U.S., minoritized groups exist in systems that oppress us, which ultimately impacts our psyche. So I know in many Black households, we're taught work twice as hard to get half as far. And although that's an unfortunate truth, it does something to us psychologically that tells us that we may not measure up. We may not ever measure up which is a falsehood. And so we have to unlearn those messages that we've been sent about ourselves and know that we are worthy and we are not imposters. By definition, an imposter is a person who pretends to be someone else in order to deceive others, especially for fraudulent gain. So it's a person who who practices deception under an assumed character, identity, or name. Synonyms for imposter are con artist, fake, hypocrite. I'm sure y'all could probably think of, you know, some other things. So if you're not intentionally trying to deceive someone, then you're not an imposter. Like you're just not, you're not out here like lying. You're not being a Rachel Dolezal, which that's a different conversation, but you're not pretending to be something that you're not. So there's that. Remind yourself of actually what that word means. And that might help you to unlearn like, oh, I'm not an imposter because I'm not pretending to be a lawyer. I am a lawyer and I'm skilled. I'm not pretending to be a psychologist. I am a psychologist and I'm skilled and I've earned these degrees. So think about it like that. Second, I also encourage folks to think about why do you feel like an imposter? Can you really not perform a task? Are they, are you actually underprepared for a project? And if you, and if that is the case, I'm not saying like, oh, just have confidence when you shouldn't have confidence because you don't know what you're doing. And we'll come back to that part a little bit later when I talk about another concept. But There is this concept of like, okay, I think I can, I think I can, and I really can't. I'm not talking about that. If you can't do something, then sharpen your skills so that you can do it. So are you being tasked with, you know, managing this new project and you have no idea how to do that? Then maybe you should research some project management skills so that you can improve. So that's, you know, that's also a tool that I think that can be used to help you overcome feeling like an imposter. And it's not the same as overcompensating. Like I talked about earlier, it's really more about like preparing yourself if you feel underprepared to perform a task. Third, I would say find balance in comparing yourself to others. So we know that comparison is the thief of joy. Sometimes for me, though, it's helpful for me to see how I measure up against my peers. But I try to do that in a healthy way. Like I'm not just like, oh, my gosh, this person, they just won dissertation of the year. And they just like, yeah, that's great for them. And that, you know, experience might be better suited for the academic path that they're on. I'm not on that same academic path. I work full time. I work part time. I'm in school. I'm married, like all these different things. So being like not having, not comparing yourself to aspirational peers, but people who are like in the same lane as you, that might be healthy. Um, when I first started this podcast, so I like to listen to the, um, Bomani Jones podcast and, uh, I have not rated it five stars, so maybe I'm a hater. Um, but no, sorry. That's like, he always says in his podcast, if you don't rate me five stars, then I'm inclined to believe that you're a hater. And I'm not a hater. I actually really love his podcast. So maybe I should go rate him five stars. But anyway, um, when I first started this podcast, I compared my sound quality to, to that of Bomani Jones. And I kept saying like, dang, like Bomani sounds like this and mine just sounds not like that. And my husband was like, so you think that your podcast that you do out of your office with your one mic is going to sound the same as someone who has thousands of dollars behind their podcast? 
And I was like, um, well, I wanted to. And that's not realistic. Like he's that that's an aspirational peer. I would like my podcast the sound the sound quality to sound like Bomani Jones. And I still want to improve on my sound quality, which is why I took a break and ordered a new mic. And actually my husband ordered it for me. Thank you, boo. Um but I, I do want to improve, but I also know that like comparing myself to people who aren't, aren't really my peers can be unhealthy and problematic. So find balance in comparing yourself to others. Lastly, show yourself grace and practice positive self-talk. If you got a new position, if they hired you um, for whatever new position or you got an award at work, you, it's because you are capable and you are worthy, not because you got lucky or your homegirl hooked you up or whatever. It's because you are able, you are able. And so remind yourself of that. I saw a quote on, um, this is kind of a tangent, but I saw a quote on Instagram about black women that said, black women are not being hired just because they are black and woman. It's because we get SHIT done. Believe that and remind yourself that you are the bomb.com. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that you are the SHIT. Um, I don't really like to curse, so I spell out my curse words. Um, But sometimes you have to remind yourself that you're the ish. And I know for minoritized groups, that can be hard because I guess, I don't know, we don't... It might be cultural, it might be um, just how we were raised or socialized, but we're not taught to like brag on ourselves and boast. Like, but sometimes you should boast. If it's an appropriate setting, then you should boast and you should remind yourself um, that you are worthy and that you are capable. So those are my tips on how to overcome. Those are my tips on how to overcome imposter syndrome. So if stereotype threat is a cousin to imposter syndrome, then the Dunner-Kruger effect is the complete opposite of imposter syndrome. So what is the Dunner-Kruger effect? Some of y'all may or may not have heard of it before. Um, It's when someone of low ability overestimates their ability to do something. And so this could be related to work. I'm talking about it in like a work-related task, but it can be about anything. It can be like a... Um, I think I can sing and I can't, or I think I'm a good judge of character and I'm not. Uh, I think that I could be a judge for um, a comedy show and I really can't because I'm not really in tune with humor. Like it's, it can be related to a number of things, but I'm speaking about it specifically related to task and the, in the workplace. Um, It's a cognitive bias that's related to superiority and stems from a person's ability or a person's inability to recognize their lack of skill or lack of talent. And so if minoritized groups who are often high achievers, according to the research about imposter syndrome, if minoritized groups experience imposter syndrome at higher rates because of systemic oppression, then who might experience the Dunner-Kruger effect? Hmm. Before I answer that, I I do want to backtrack because I keep saying minoritized and I feel like I need to explain why. Um, I say minoritized because when I think about black folks globally, we're not a minority. We've been intentionally minoritized in the U.S. to maintain systems of oppression and certain power dynamics, but globally, we are not a minority. Women, globally, not a minority. So women and men globally exist at a very uh, close ratio. I think it might be like 100 women to 103 men globally. That's a rough estimate, but 
that being said, it's not like this major minority. And so women aren't necessarily minorities either globally. Um, and so I say minoritized because I think the way that systems of power and oppression work, we have been taught that we are smaller in number. And so we have to shrink ourselves um, to a certain degree. Um, and we don't have to shrink ourselves and we're not smaller in number globally. And there's a reason why we have been minoritized and it's to maintain systems of power and oppression. So I just wanted to provide some clarity on why I keep saying minoritized. But um, I was, oh, Dunner-Kruger effect. So who who experiences that? Hmm, I would say I'm going to go with white folks for 100, Alex. Um, rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Uh, specifically white men. And so I think this is likely because of power and privilege. So if white folks are socialized to believe that everything belongs to them, they have access to everything and everything is theirs. Whiteness is property. It's a concept in critical race theory. Um, then they're also likely to believe that they're the superior group and they can do anything, even things that they're actually not capable of doing. Uh, I once saw a t-shirt that said, Please give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. And this t-shirt is funny because it's true. Like mediocre white men be thinking they can do whatever it is they set their minds to. And it's not because they're capable, but because they've been socialized to think that they can do anything. Um, and I think that this is an effect uh, or this is like this can be representative of the Dunner-Kruger effect. And so I'm not saying that all white men have Dunner-Kruger effect, but I'm saying that if I'm saying that if minoritized people suffer from imposter syndrome at higher rates, then I think that white folks, specifically white men, experience the Dunner-Kruger effect at higher rates. Um, it's this idea that like, you know, even though you, you have no skill or ability, you might still apply for a job or negotiate a higher salary or white folks, white men specifically might think they can even run a country, even though they haven't successfully managed a business. Um, and you know, that last example, I'm being shady and taking jabs at, you know, who, and that person probably suffers from narcissistic personality type. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to conflate those two things, uh, the Dunner-Kruger effect and narcissistic personality type, because, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not going to get into psychological disorders, but what I want to drive home is that imposter syndrome and Dunner-Kruger effects are opposite sides of one spectrum. And in the middle is probably where people's ability, abilities lie. Um, and so all that to say, if you experience imposter syndrome, start doing the work to unlearn it. Like I, I had to do the work to un, to unlearn it. Like recently at work, I was given an award, um, the presidential award. And I was like shocked, like me, y'all giving me this award. And I had to like remind myself like, yes, they're giving me this award because I'm willing, I'm, I'm capable, I'm smart, I'm talented. And so it's taken me some time, like even now it still creeps up in my psyche where I'm like, oh, I just got this cause I'm lucky. And I have to recognize that and reel it back and remind myself like, yes, I am the bomb.com. And sometimes you just got to remind yourself of that. And it's not about being cocky. It's not about, you know, thinking you're better than anyone. It's about knowing your own abilities and knowing that you're skilled and you're talented. And if you're not skilled and talented in an area that you want to be skilled and talented in, then do the work to get there. Um, 
remember that we're in a context that oftentimes, like I said, that oftentimes make minoritized folks feel like they don't belong and they're not worthy. And unfortunately, we have uh, internalized, some of us, I shouldn't say everyone, but some of us have internalized that. And so we may not be operating at our fullest potential because of that mindset. So assess your skill set, adjust it accordingly, Practice positive self-talk and work on silencing that part of your mind that tells you that you're not able Um, because that that can be you can be your own worst enemy sometimes where you're talking yourself out of something. Um, I read something and a a lot of what I'm talking about is related to work and um, really just work. And I know that our lives are more than our jobs. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, But because imposter syndrome is related to a task, people often experience it in academic or work-related settings. But I do recognize that we are more than our jobs. We're more than the education that we have. Um, And so just want to throw that out there. But sometimes we we psych ourselves out. I read somewhere that like um, men, and I can't remember the the numbers, but oftentimes men will apply for jobs that they're not even qualified for when women won't apply for jobs that they are qualified for. And it's because we tell ourselves that, no, we can't do this thing. When um, when sometimes men, and I, I think specifically white men, um, and I think maybe beyond white men too, they might apply for jobs that they're not necessarily qualified for because they've been told like, yeah, just go for it. And we're not, women aren't often, black women especially aren't often, um, aren't often socialized to do that. And so I say all that to say that we got to leave that behind. That is not serving us. Imposter syndrome has not served us, nor will it serve us in the future. And so anything that are that is not serving us, we need to let it go. Leave it in 2020. Leave it in the past. Leave it wherever you need to leave it. But recognize that you need to leave it because it's not serving us. And so... As you think about your skills, your abilities, and how you want to move forward this year, I hope that you set intentions that are uh, thoughtful and relevant to what you need. Uh, And I also hope that you leave behind imposter syndrome because it is not serving you. So thank you for listening to my talk about imposter syndrome. I want to point out two things. One, I was on a roll and it is actually pronounced Dunning-Kruger effect, not Dunner-Kruger effect. Sorry, I realized that like I was on a roll and I didn't want to like stop, but I want to be clear and accurate about what the term is. So it's Dunning-Kruger effect. And then second, I just want to thank y'all for your listenership. I know I keep going over time, but I also want to point out that when it's just me, it'll likely be a 30 minute session versus if I have a guest, it'll probably be no more than an hour. So just wanted to point that out so that we can um, shift our expectations. And I also felt like I was being dishonest because my episodes were running longer than anticipated. So wanted to point that out, but thank you again for listening. And now for the my girlfriends segment. On today's episode of Black Lady Adulting, we talked a lot about imposter syndrome and the effects that that has on people. And while there are various people who experience imposter syndrome, men and women alike, folks from different racial backgrounds, um, different abilities, sexual identities, um, I want to focus for a moment and really shout out Black women. This podcast is Black Lady Adulting, so like I said, I'm always going to center Black women. But Black women often suffer from imposter syndrome because of the systems that we're placed in. Um, 
we live unfortunately in an American US context that is oftentimes very sexist and very racist. And because of those two things combined, we we may not feel like we are capable of doing certain things. And so I just want to remind all the black women listening and to the folks who are listening who have black women in their lives that we as black women are not imposters. There are literally women out there pretending to be us. They are literally pretending to be us. There have been some stories that come out have, that have come out about professors and folks who um, work in different capacities who are pretending to be black women. So that being said, we should never feel like imposters, black women, because people have borrowed from our identities for so long. It is important for us to stand firm in our confidence and know that we are worthy, we are capable, and we are the bomb.com. So there's that. I also want to shout out um, my forever first lady, Michelle Obama, because I think it takes a lot of bravery to share that you've suffered from imposter syndrome, especially when you're in positions that are very respect respectable and um, admired. And Michelle Obama came out in her interview and said that I think the question to her was, you know, how does it feel to be a symbol of hope? And her response was that she still suffers a little bit from imposter syndrome and never goes away. So I commend her courage for sharing that story. But I also want to point out something um, that I think is important when we think about imposter syndrome. So in her book, Becoming, she talked about how she's been in these spaces with very powerful people. And she's realized that they're really not that smart, not all of them. And so I say that to say that oftentimes we worry about impressing other people or coming off as smart or being the dopest person in the room. And in reality, the folks that we're trying to impress don't even have the intelligence or talents that we do. And so I appreciate Michelle Obama for pointing those two things out because it's a reminder for us to stand firm in our confidence and to... Um, to be unwavering in who it is that we are and what it is that we want to do. So black women, shout out to you. You are not imposters. And Michelle Obama specifically, thank you for being courageous enough to share with us that you have suffered from imposter syndrome and being courageous enough to tell us that. And also reminding us that the folks in the room, they're not always that smart. <laughs>